Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the three new Thunder editions, what's going on with health and safety for the Thunder, and what is next, because they have a game tonight against the Sacramento Kings, and to wrap it all up, I'm going to have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But guys, we have to get in to the new signings. I missed a couple days. I apologize. Christmas season was around. Hope you forgive me. But there are times changing with the Thunder. Going into Christmas, zero players were on the health and safety list. One of a few teams, if not the only team that could say that. And then players started dropping like flies. We had Darius Baisley out Trey Mann was ruled out during a game. He was in the layup line, and it just caused this ripple effect. We saw that a couple rookies, actually, Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Aaron Wiggins, were coined the very next day. Now, Wiggins is off the list, but another member in Alexei Pokushevsky joined on Monday. So that left you with four players. And today, as well, it's been added to six. Josh Giddy and Derek Favors have joined that pack. So a lot of key contributors for the Thunder have dropped down. The Thunder, they've been looking pretty good in these last five games or so, so they might need to find their new identity for a little bit here. So they picked up some new hardship exception deals. And if you don't know kind of the whole gig with the hardship exceptions, it's a 10-day contract. The way that it works right now, If you have one player in health and safety, you can get uh, one replacement player. So let's say you have seven players that are out. Technically, you could go up to seven replacement players. But the kicker is this. The NBA has started to force teams' hands. They have two people that are out with health and safety. That nets one signing. Three equals two. Four equals three. So on and so forth. So with six guys out right now, they are going to need two more additions Uh, In the near future, just due to the league requirements, currently they have three though, and I'm going to be breaking them all down right now. We have Rob Edwards, Olivier Saar, and Scotty Hobson, all three members coming from the Oklahoma City Blue. This makes some sense just because, you know, the transition between the G League to the NBA ranks when you're under the Blues wraps is going to be a lot easier than taking it from someone else's system. Let's just say Westchester, some some random team, right? They're not going to know the system. They're going to go in there kind of blind as opposed to some of these blue guys who have had some reps, uh, Grant Gibbs and Mark Dagnall kind of have the same schemes anyways so it really does help them out and put them in solid situations so I understand why they triple dipped here Uh, now they did get the center in SAR I thought maybe they would reach for some other front court figures they decided to go with one solidified guard in Edwards one forward and one center DJ Wilson was picked out of the pack last week he's with the Raptors now just had a pretty impressive game so Olivier SAR was the number one option in terms of centers but just starting things off with rob edwards i had a pre-recorded video for rob yesterday was not able to use it because we had three different players get signed all at once but he's worth talking about a second time because he is a very explosive player on the offensive end if you guys have been listening to me for close to a year now probably know that I'm a big Rob Edwards fan. When he started out in the G League bubble last February, he just launched up. He had a 20-point game in his second 
outing with the roster. I think he had 11 of 15 double-digit games in his freshman season or rookie season as well. And he shot a team-high 44% from distance. This guy could hit it from anywhere. And when you had Omer Yurt 7 and Moses Brown teeing off for you, you needed to get that punch off the bench, and it was pretty much over. You'd already be up 10 to 15 when Edwards checked in. He'd go out, get 8 to 10 points by the end of the frame. Oh, you're up, you know, 20 or so points. The game's over. Put a lid on it. Move on to the next game with the W. So how they got to 7-1, and one, obviously they fell to 8-8, eight and eight, uh, but he was a key contributor there. And it has not changed with the OKC Blue this season. I mentioned when he re-signed and when he was on the training camp roster that I was a little bit confused as to why Rob Edwards was on this roster just because they already had so many different guards. With Edwards in the mix, there were 10 different backcourt figures in the preseason roster. And my thought was, you know, uh, with all these different rookies and all this, you got Giddy, you just got Trey Mann, Vic Kredshi as well is coming. Uh, how is he going to get the minutes? And it looks like he would not be getting a lot of minutes going into the G League season. It's not been the case. He's gotten his rollback. He's putting up similar numbers here. But I just want to break down Rob Edwards' history for a second. I mentioned he joined last year with the Blue. Uh, he played a total five seasons in college with Cleveland State, and then he finished it up with the Arizona State Sun Devils, went undrafted, and was selected with the Thunder's last pick in the G League draft last year. Second round, pick number seven, Xavier Simpson was first off the board in round one, and then they took the shot, obviously, with Rob, and it paid off big time with all the shots, like I mentioned. So he wrapped up his first season with the OKC Blue, posting averages of 12.5 points on 10.3 attempts per game in a little bit above 20 minutes. So he was the established microwave scorer. All he had to do uh, was pretty much just get it. And that second unit, you didn't really have the true backup point guard uh, after Chase on Randall got sent off to the Magic. But yeah, he'd be the number one ball handler for most situations, and you just let him ISO. He's able to kill. He's able to kill you with this step back three. It creates a decent bit of space, and then you also have to watch out for his top of the key triple. If he gets a dribble handoff and you set a screen, he's gonna take the shot. And if he's open, it's a pretty high quality look for him. So he's able to kill you there. Also, like I said, step backs are gonna kill you. He has a very nice deep two as well. It's not really talked about. A lot of people don't really enjoy that shot, like a 20-foot two. Uh, but, you know, if he's able to get somebody kind of trending backwards, he'll stop, pop, and kick your you-know-what. Or if you're out at the three-point line, he's able to get that extra step on you. Go ahead and launch it. Try to pick up a foul with the jumper as well. So that's kind of that second level that comes in as that sneaky attack, but he can even take it inside if he would like to. He was not looking that solid during the Winter Showcase Cup last week. His first two outings didn't even break double digits, and the shot chart looked not that good. I didn't know if he would get an offer from the Thunder based on that, but during that time, he was able to adjust a little bit. He went from just shooting perimeter threes to actually driving inside. He had one made layup, kind of mid-air adjustment here, had to double pump it over like two, three guys. So he got an and one off of that, and then also just getting fouls off of attacking uh, when it comes to off-ball cuts as well. But he turned up in the final game for the Winter Showcase Cup, had 22 points, 13 rebounds, and 
hit a crazy circus shot fadeaway off a timeout. Almost was able to uh, get the deal done against the Blue Coats. They did not. But he was definitely the star of the game for a blue team that did not have their top player in DJ Wilson. So when it mattered, Rob Edwards was right there. And that kind of just seems to be the trend with him. He's able to sway games in the Blues direction really out of thin air. He just gives you that extra juice. Like I said, microwave. I think that's the best term to kind of coin there. And he's dropped plenty of 20-point outings. Now this one, the 22-point outing last week, that was his first of the season. But he's still posting a lot of double-digit efforts this year. 9 out of 15 games, he's been doing that. And he's averaging 12.3 points, 3.5 boards, and 1.9 assists in 21.2 minutes. Still averaging above 10 field goals attempted per game. So he's definitely really in the mix when it comes to offense. But he's one of the top options uh, for the blue, and it's been that way for two seasons. That's why I picked him up. That's why I kind of kept him on my radar. He's just a lethal three-level scorer, and I don't think you find many players like this at the G League level. When I look at this archetype of three-level scoring, and that's kind of it. Like your, your top deal is I can go off for 20 on any given night. There's never really truly lines you can distinct players uh, with in that category because it's all sort of the same thing, but you can look at consistency. I think Jordan Clarkson's probably the number one guy that these players look up to for the Jazz. He can be the Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell needs to sit in the corner sometimes for Clarkson just because he's feeling it that much, but then you kind of go down, and I think the best comparison, at least career-wise and also playing-wise, would be Frank Jackson from the Detroit Pistons. Just because he is a very flaky player. And I think Rob Edwards is actually a little bit better in terms of posting points consistently. Just because I kind of like um, his inside game a little bit more than I do with Franks. But, you know, he can erupt for 18, 20 points for the Pistons. They've been shorthanded. He's been dropping about 17 a game for the last, you know, 3-4, I'd say. And also, on the flip side, you're going to find times where Frank Jackson cannot buy a bucket for a stretch of five games. That's how he was in New Orleans. That's why he fell to the Thunder on a partially guaranteed preseason contract. And that's why he got inked to a two-way deal last season as opposed to a full-scale deal with Detroit, just because they need to evaluate him a little bit more. But he can be that firecracker. When Frank Jackson was playing in the preseason for OKC, I was raving about him. Perfect corner setter for Teo. He was hitting all of them uh, for the most part. And then once he unlocked that, you started to see him with some baseline jumpers. He started creating uh, by himself, actually. And I think that's kind of where Rob Edwards is as well, where in a Thunder jersey right now, I think the expectation is you're just going to find him as the catch-and-shoot player. But once he starts succeeding there, you're going to see a lot, a lot more involvement, I would say. He can spread his wings, and then he gets the basketball in space. He can try to pull off those step backs, get the DHOs, do really whatever uh, he needs to because he can go off in a heartbeat. You just have to check the Summer League stats. Dude started at the bottom of the rotation, finishes it with two 23-point outings. No one else on the roster could top 23. So tells you how electric uh, he is at his fullest. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where you're at with him. He's going to be 
kind of polarizing in terms of stat sheets, but when he is on, he is on. He is an NBA level scorer. It's been that way for a while, so I'm really excited he was able to fall to the Thunder two weeks into the hardship deals really being divvied out, uh, so I, I'm happy for that. One thing to look out for with Rob, outside of just the traditional stuff, like I said, step backs, deep twos, Look at his transition game. In particular, look at the left wing. And this even goes for catch and shoots in the half court as well. But he had an insane connection with Ryan Woolridge last year. And Ryan, he's, I think, in Greece now. But when they were together, they were special. Ryan would get the basketball before he crosses the timeline. It'd be fast break, of course. And he would just find Rob at the left wing. Makes that extra pass up the floor. And he just pull up and he would drill it almost 50% of the time. And when you look at his G League shot chart, he's actually making the left wing shot more than 50% of the time. It's at 50.7 going 35 of 69. So he is a certified bucket getter in that area. I think if you're going to have him in one spot, you want to kind of stick him to that left wing. That's what they did in the four preseason minutes he had. And he had six points in them. So... I'm happy to see Rob because of Giddy and because of man out of this rotation. I think he will have a decent role for the next five games. That's how long these 10 days will be allowed on the roster just due to uh, the schedule and such. Um, so yeah, maybe he can claw out that role, the 15 to 20 minute role and try to take over. You have SGA, you have Ty, you have Teo. Vit is out right now. He sprained his ankle in the winter showcase final. So that leaves Rob as a secondary shooting guard, which is big stuff for him. We're going to get some real action from him. And I think if he goes and plays his type of game, erupts maybe once or twice, might consider the two-way offer going his way. Obviously, you kind of have to evaluate what the roster looks like with Trey and with Giddy back. But as for right now, I think you can make an impression that could get him beyond just 10 days. And the same goes for the other two as well in Olivier Saar and Scotty Hobson. But before I go into those two, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, 
go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving along to Olivier Saar. This was my dark horse candidate uh, when the G League season started. You guys can check back on that if you want to rewind the tape a bit. Uh, but I did say it because you looked at the blue roster last season and they had Moses Brown and Omer Yurt 7. Arguably the two best true fives that were in the G League last year came out of Oklahoma City and both are doing very well for themselves. Omer just came off a 16 and 15 game. First start of his career. Amazing stuff he's done with the Miami Heat. But because of those two leaving, they had a total void at the center spots and they patched it up with DJ obviously but DJ's a tweener he's more of a four that's where he played with the Raptors in his last game probably where he's gonna stick but Olivier is that true center and I like his archetype this is a bouncy seven footer 240 pounds he's able to chase down blocks get some rebounds throw it down on lobs and he's tried to test out his three ball we'll see if it materializes but it's just kind of one thing to take note of with him. Just starting things out, though, with Olivier, because I think with Rob, we sort of all know the story with him. Like, he's been around for a decent bit within the ranks of the Blue and the Thunder. Olivier has not. Before he was with the Thunder and with the Blue, he played five or four seasons of college, excuse me, between Wake Forest and and Kentucky so he averaged a career eight and a half points and 5.7 rebounds that's not great numbers obviously but just due to the athleticism like I talked about it's gonna open some doors for you so the OKC Blue obviously sent out that exhibit 10 Olivier signed on the dotted line he's been going ever since and I remember the words that I used on Olivier kind of seems like a guy who can go off for a double double at any given moment he has not logged one yet, but he has not been given a very big opportunity. He's only averaged 14.1 minutes with the OKC Blue this season because you have DJ, you have guys like Poku, Paul Watson's taking up minutes, just kind of hard to fit him in on the night-to-night -night basis, but when assignments are out, he's playing about 16 to 18 minutes, and he's doing a hell of a job uh, during that, so Right now, he's averaging 7.1 points and 4.8 rebounds to go along with 1.2 assists. One thing, though, 0.5 blocks a game doesn't seem like much, but this dude is ridiculous when it comes to just leaping up there and getting the ball at its apex. Multiple different goaltending violations were called on him in Vegas last week, and that's obviously not great, but it's not terrible either. Like just seeing the dude bounce up 30, 36 to 40 inches and just smacking it out to the second row. It's pretty telling in terms of his capabilities. And he's pretty mobile for seven feet tall. Now we don't have a big enough track record really to see how he's going to defend if he gets switched on to some forwards. But I do like the matchup when it comes down to um, offensively, just his agility that you're going to find there because it's not like your traditional five uh, that we've seen. And now, obviously for the Thunder, all of those guys outside of like Derek Favors and maybe Mike Muscala are just tweeners that are getting moved up. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is not a center. Isaiah Roby hasn't played, but also he's not really a center either. So they're faster, 
But you got to keep in mind, they're like 6'8", 6'9", and just happen to have a 7'2", uh, wingspan to tag along with it. With Olivier, you're just getting the height kind of up front, and that's where he's played the entirety of his career. I'm excited to see him set some high ball screens, see him roll towards the basket. I know that this team is really just oriented on catch and shoots. They are third in the NBA currently in that stat, dead last on catch and shoots. They're like 32% right now. That's the worst I've seen in tracking. I think that came from Andrew Schleck. But yeah, like we'll see if he pops out. I'd rather see him stick to the mid-range if he's going to take him just because he's only had about one good game from three and it was a two of three outing from there. Happened to have 18 and 17 minutes during that game. It's just not consistent enough for me yet. I want to see him just get down and dirty around the hoop. Hopefully something kind of materializes like I've mentioned, and I hope we can get some traction between SGA and Olivier. Ideally, I want to see it with a second unit with a guy like Teo or a guy with Ty that we know is going to hang past this 10-day deadline, and Olivier is not going to be the starter, obviously, if he gets a two-way deal or if he sticks around. So I want to see the more realistic options, which would be uh, that secondary unit, but I'm excited for him. We don't have enough to really grade his impact, but I will say I still agree with the sentiment that he can drop a double-double any given night. Very good rebounder, good mobility to chase those down in open space, and then just with the fact he can get up there, he can rise, that's going to lead to some opportunities with a team like the Thunder that have been so good when it comes to driving dishes. Now, the one downside is Josh Giddy is not playing. He would have been a very good player to have in this uh, situation, but I think it's all going to work out. So I think Olivier, in addition to uh, Rob, should be getting consistent enough minutes from the get-go. We'll see. Just because they don't have Teo, or not Teo, they don't have Derek Favors, also don't have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. The only five you have is Mike Muscala, and Isaiah Roby's there too. But since Baze is out, since Poku is out, I see Roby as more of a four, and that leaves the five spot open for Olivier, who, like I said, can only play five. So it's nice to see him being put under a microscope. We didn't get to see it with OKC Blue uh, near enough. But just looking at the highlight tape, you can tell that there is some potential there in terms of his athleticism. And he's only 22 years old, which is not 19 or 20, of course. But in comparison to the 30-year-olds you have in Muscala and Favors, a lot younger. And if you bring him on board, you actually have that five. Um, So that could obviously be a real asset down the line. You have Scotty Hobson, too. And with Scotty, it's a bit different because Olivier, 22 years old, Rob's 24 years old. Scotty Hobson is the oldest player within the Thunder organization. He's 32 years old. He's played overseas basketball for 10 plus years, been to a multitude of different countries, and he's done a pretty damn good job in the process, actually. He's played in the Euro League, played with the Liga ACB Euro Cup. And before joining the OKC Blue again, he was with the um, NBL, which is where Josh Giddy came out of. And that's not a joke by any means. That's a very good league. And he dropped 19.7 points back in the 2019-2020 season in the NBL. Uh, that's really, really good. 
uh, when you look at the playing field. So this is not your usual call-up, uh, especially for a team like OKC who is not in playoff contention. This is more the mentor, and this is more of a tip of the cap to a guy in Scotty who has been grinding, but he still has not been able to break the seams of the NBA, even though he's really earned it. And I think he could get playing time since he's six foot seven. He was playing two through four with the blue. Probably could fit him in uh, for some stints. And then if you have Rob and you have Olivier, got to have a mentor who's been through it. I think that's what you got in Scotty Hobson. But just going a little bit more into detail with him, he has been around the block, including the OKC Blue. Played for two seasons from 2018 to 2020. Obviously spliced that one up so he could play for the NBL uh, midseason. But during that time, he averaged 16.8 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. That is one out of 15 different franchises he's played for in those 10 seasons. And due to playing in the high leagues, he is ready. Liga ACB, Euro League, NBL. Those are... Out of the top uh, five, that might be two, three, and four, honestly, in terms of the best leagues that you're going to find uh, just in general for basketball. So he has been through really any system that you can imagine. And with the team, um, or with the blue, he kind of lost his footing a little bit, just a little bit, um, due to all the different new guys coming into place. Despite that, though, Still putting up decent numbers, and he put up a really good game in the G League Cup semifinal against the Motor City Crews. Hit the game-winning mid-range shot, just stopped on a dime. He's obviously clutch there, so got to keep him in till the end game, and it brought them to that final opportunity at $100,000 in the process with that one. Um, but yeah, you break down the numbers. Scotties are not going to pop off the page, just like Olivier. He's kind of been pushed to the wayside because of all the different Oklahoma City Thunder guys. When you have Poku and now Vit, really, when you assess um, the, the three spot, three and four spot, and even guys like Trey Mann and Teo, when you already have Xavier Simpson, you have guys like Melvin Frazier Jr. and Rob Edwards, you can't find minutes for the 32-year-old that's is not really going to be a long-term player for you. I think that's fair to say. Anyways, though, when he has played, he's looked all right from the floor. Averaged 6.4 points, 2.3 rebounds, and 1.4 assists across 20.5 minutes. Also has shots 40% from the floor. Um, you got to look in a little bit into the numbers here, or go past them, I'd say, because he's only shooting 13.6% from three. Hasn't shot it near enough for it to matter truthfully that is I think one out of eight or something along those lines so it's no big worry when I see that with him what I see is that mentor like I talked about and somebody who might even amplify the NBA guys just with his sheer amount of experience you need to have a vet when all these guys are dropping like flies have somebody that you know has been through the block, has been through multiple different franchise changes, needs to adapt quickly. Scotty Hobson will do that, and as a result, he might fetch some minutes during this five-game stint. I don't think he's going to get another 10-day extension. I think uh, more of the attention will be on Edwards and Olivier, but you never know. I think that's a pretty easy statement to make, though. 
So when you look at Scotty, I don't know if he's guaranteed minutes like the other two, just because you have Aaron Wiggins who's sticking around, and you also have Gabrielle Deck who has not played. Gabrielle, got to see some minutes from him because you don't know what the situation is. Now the opening is right there for him. If he's not playing, that's going to spell some concerns, at least on my end. And then with Paul Watson Jr. too, I'm kind of curious to see who gets the first shot between Paul Watson and Scotty, just because, you know, Paul has not played for almost three weeks now for the Thunder level and hasn't been on assignment for over a month. I'm starting to believe that, you know, if Edwards or Saar dominates, they might just flip directions and give a that two-way contract uh, the other way just because it is a one-year deal essentially for a major price cuts. And I wouldn't mind it just because Paul is 26 and the sharpshooting just has not tapped in yet for him. So it's going to be a very big week for these 10-day contracts. It's going to be a big week for Paul Watson Jr. as well. And for the two signees that are yet to come, it's going to be huge um, for those pairings of players. I think Xavier Simpson was reported to be one. Now, that has not been reported by the team yet. He's not going to be with the team for Sacramento's game at 9 p.m., but he might be back for the game against the Suns or potentially on New Year's Eve against the New York Knicks. It's just another roster crunch due to the six different players that will be out. I think it's going to be SGA at the one, Ty at the two, Lou at the three, Aaron at the four, and Mike Muscala starting at the five. For the secondary unit, you have Teo Maladone, Rob Edwards, Paul Watson Jr., Isaiah Roby, and Olivier Saar. If it was up to me, and if it was perfect matchmaking, I would put Teo into the starting unit for these next couple of games just to put Ty and Rob together. I think that's a better fit for both of them um, because Rob is more of the on-ball presence. He can be that shot creator, but he can also catch and shoot. Um, but with Ty Jerome, he's more of the primary catch and shoot guy. And if you need to let him be the playmaker, really smart passer. And that's going to work either way. You kind of flip it. With Teo, he needs to be the kind of ball handler to create. He needs to have a high ball screen, this and that. Um, and the catch and shoot game has looked good in spurts. Just hasn't really come to a, um, a true, true point yet this year. So we'll check out the Kings game. We'll evaluate all the different 10-day guys and just everybody with the brutal impact of Giddy, Baisley, Poku, everybody being out. So see how they adapt. They're going to be playing at 9 p.m. against the Sacramento Kings. They also are going to be dealing with a little bit of health and safety here, um, but it's set for a good game with a lot of evaluation that will be taken away. So for the 10-day guys, this is their best opportunity at a contract. I think with Paul Watson there, could be a, a hot seat potentially. I mentioned this two, three weeks ago, and it looks like this could be actually in the mix so i'll keep you all updated if you guys want to stay updated on the blog and on uh, the sports illustrated websites make sure to follow them i am currently an intern over there i've been writing and for some of the guys like rob i have been doing some print stories on that just evaluations and some game recaps as well but other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.